Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another Grayscale Gorilla Podcast, episode 59, pre-NAB. What's yeah. up, guys? What's up, man? I got a lot of energy today, if you haven't noticed. That's right. Nice. Stretch it out. Get it. Get, get into it. Get into is that, it. Is that maybe just the nature of us starting a later one than usual? Instead Probably. of just being at like 11 or 10 in the morning? Well, yeah, because usually we start them after an epic company meeting that can sometimes go for like an hour. If not longer. <laughs> and, and then we segue into the show, which is kind of like at that time, you like sometimes you just are like, oh, my God, how long are we going to do this? But no, today is good. We uh, fresh, it's break. A fresh little break. Um, so, yeah, welcome, everyone. Uh, I, I hope everybody's week is going well. How's everybody's week going? So far, so good. We got NAB coming up. I leave. Uh, I think we all leave on Friday to head to Vegas. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm putting some last minute touches on my presentation. I'm getting a tutorial ready for next week as well, which will, I think, tie in a little bit with the presentation I'm doing. Um, yeah, working on some email stuff. It's been it's, good. Been a it's good been, day. yeah, this is the busiest week of the year so far for me. So that's the way it's gone. Just with NAB and then we've been having internet trouble and air conditioners broken and it's starting to get warmer outside and I got all this done before I leave. Oh no. And then preparing things for the brothers before the trip starts and then packing their lunches and such. Yeah. More like, uh, you know, like certain projects are wrapping up. So it's like, okay, what are they going to be spending their time on? Yeah, cool. NAB, man. Um, so we're all flying out to NAB on Friday. Uh, we're going to be live presenting. You can check out when we're all talking on our website. I think it's um, one of our latest blog posts. So go check that out. See when we're talking. And um, also we're going to be trying to stay on top of posting to Instagram and giving you guys some behind the scenes, really fun stuff of what we're doing at our booth and who we're talking to and who we're hanging out with. And hopefully um, Chris completely belligerent at a table <laughs> betting his life savings. Um, put, right, put it all on red, Chris. No, yep. no, no. I'll be drunk, but I don't go crazy on the gambling. <laughs> no, we'll keep you, uh, we'll keep you safe. Well, I tell well, you, I'm, I'm here at the blog post for those of you who say, Listen, I listen to your podcast, so I don't have to go to your blog post. Let me tell you when we're on. I know, I've got it up too. Get out your calendar, because we got three days in a row that Grayscale Gorilla will be presenting. And we got, so first off, Monday, leading the pack, we got Chris Schmidt, Monday, April 24th. That's at 1.30 p.m. Um, the, oh, that's Pacific time, by the yeah, way. Pacific, but remember that. That's screwed me before. Yeah, so that's it'll be um, a little bit later in the day for this stuff if you're on the East Coast like we are. All right, um, or Central Time. Tuesday, that's me, uh, Nick at, if you're listening, <laughs> that's Nick at uh, eight, on April 25th, 9.30 a.m. Pacific time. First presentation of the day. Oh, oh man, man. I'm a that's gonna be rough early. You're gonna have go a rough fit. Monday night. If I'm up late Monday, guys, you gotta let me know and remind me. We're gonna get you super drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that before, uh, but it's not fun. Mm -mm. Hey guys, welcome to Grace. I think my I think my last SIGGRAPH presentation, I was hungover. It's not fun. Um, I'm gonna be bright and wide awake. I got a fun one for you guys on Tuesday, and then Wednesday we have two presentations, dude. Guys, we have four presentations at this NAB. Uh, at the Maxon booth this year. Um, on Wednesday at 11.30 a.m., we're going to do, Chris and I are going to do a live Ask GSG uh, live in person at NAB. 
So we're going to answer questions from the audience. We're, we're also going to try to reach out to like our Instagram um, followers and Twitter and get some Ask GSG questions that we could do live on stage. And then to hit us home, up, getting the home run ready to bat, like bat us all in, Chad Ashley, Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. Pacific time. So if you guys want to learn more about that, you can go to uh, our blog post where we you know, have links to the Instagram and all the stuff we're going to do. Or you could also go to C4D Live dot com and you could sign up there and you'll get reminders of when everybody's on and see you can see the full presentation um schedule there so, so to see you there better watch because it's going to be fun and there's a lot of great presenters actually and i'm excited to go i'm excited to uh get into some warm weather actually it hasn't been too bad here but i am excited to see a bit more of the sun hopefully it won't be like 120 degrees Nah, it'll be nice. I have a feeling. Are you guys, um, you guys fly out Friday and, um, so yeah, the, what was I going to say? Oh, the, um, I mailed out the swag today. Swag? Ooh. Swag? Swag? I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, we never really resolved that. Anyway, so that'll be there when we get there. And we'll be um, uh, giving out some nice little gifts to people that come by our uh, GSG booth, which is going to be right behind the Maxon booth if you're going to NAB. Uh, we have a booth, and we'll be, um, Chris, uh, Nick, and myself will all be demoing our tools and talking cinema, answering questions, and um, such. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's what's going on with NAB. Let's get into the news. What else do we got in the news? Let me uh, wrestle some papers here to act like you know, <laughs> we've got some like news going. <laughs> I need a green screen behind me that could do some weather over here, maybe. Uh, what a, what about uh, you mentioned there might be some new uh, Render Wars news? Oh yeah. Um, did I? I can't remember. Last podcast had Arnold Five come out yet? I, I want to say it was either coming out that. I think it was coming out and then you did the live show later. So uh, you sh we should probably mention the live show that was recorded that Chad did all about Arnold 5. So if you're looking at basically what, what did you go over? What's new and all the new stuff it does? Yeah, I kind of did a brain dump of everything that I thought was cool in Arnold 5. Uh, as soon as it, like, as soon as it was released then I got the okay from the solid angle team that I could do a live stream and just kind of show people what's new. I went ahead and did it it's on our YouTube channel. You can check it out there. It just kind of goes over all my favorite features and it's, it's a huge release. It's a huge update for them. Uh, they've increased the speed across the board of the renderer. Um, much to people's uh, disappointment, it's not GPU yet. So if you were hoping for Arnold 5 announcement to be, hey, we're GPU too, it's not ready yet. Uh, the way I heard it is Arnold 5 needed to come out with a new updated core, all the new features, which there are quite a few of, and then they're going to focus their energy on the GPU implementation after that shipped. So that's shipped, and I just got an update today um, that they made a few bug fixes. Uh, they had a few things that needed to be tweaked, so they tweaked those right away. There's an update coming. Um, my two favorite things I got to say in there are uh, the triplanar map, which I think I explained maybe on the last show. I can't remember if I did. Did I? 
I, I think that was at the company or when we were just having a meeting. You okay, a so personal I, demo you gave us. So a triplanar. Us all looking at each other through webcams is kind of a daily occurrence. I know. <laughs> so Sometimes it's kind of hard it together to remember. Dude. What what is said when? So thank you, Chris, for that one. So a, a triplanar mapping is um, is becoming kind of a new standard uh, in terms of dealing with projection mapping and and not having any seams. So it's basically a cubic map with uh, feathered corners. So if you've ever used a cubic map on an object that you didn't want a UV, and they definitely uh, have, because that's the only thing me and Nick ever recommend. Right, so uh, you have those situations where you throw a cubic map on it, and you're like, "Ah, oh, damn, I'm seeing a seam where the two, you know, projections are, are meeting." Well, triplanar kind of gives you the opportunity to blend those seams, and and it, it makes a, a really awesome tool to not have to UV every little thing. Uh, it makes it really easy to to work with um, tiling images, grunges, that sort of thing. Uh, the other thing that I really love is the jitter uh, node, which allows you to randomize so many different things in your map. So you can randomize uh, hue, you can randomize saturation across objects, cl objects, clones, instances, whatever, it doesn't care. So uh, what that means is you can have one shader, and let's say you have 10,000 uh, army men cloned in a cloner. Well, 10,000 would probably destroy cinema, so let's just say it's like maybe 800. So you have 800 army men, and they're all the same shade of green. You could actually hue sh you could randomly shift their hue by a few degrees to make them all a little different. You could also randomly shift their gamma to make them all a little bit different, all controlled with one shader, which is super, super powerful. Well, you could also uh, have like a grunge map on them that's randomly offset. Exactly. In fact, I did a, a quick test. I think I may have posted it. I don't remember where I posted it, to be honest. But I, I did a thing where... You can actually use the jitter to offset UVs too, because they have a UV node in Arnold. So you can actually create a bunch of different, you know, UV offsets. So that uh, let's say you have wood, for instance, like wood planks, and you want to randomly offset the uh, the tiling wood texture on each plank so they look different. You can do that so easily now; it's crazy. So tons of cool new features. It's much faster. I'm seeing like 20 to 40 percent speed increases in this new version. So that's um, new and as of just a couple hours ago a toy uh just released the cinema 4d uh update 3.06 which also adds triplanar mapping in its own way and the other kind of notable features are uh, a lot of fixes it looks like um they fixed uh, some displacement issues Adaptive sampling, of course, is added, which I think we talked about before. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to download this one yet, but it looks to be a pretty significant update. I, I think a lot of people are stoked about the triplanar mapping and the token support for Octane passes, I think, is also huge. Um, and in the Redshift camp, they're still cranking along. The alpha is looking good. It's still moving. I'm seeing a lot of people interested in it. I was on Ashthorpe's... Um, Learn squared Twitch a few times last week and this week, and everybody's kind of excited about Redshift because I think there's this whole group of people that just like invested so much money in GPU that they want to they they don't want to necessarily go Arnold until Arnold goes GPU, so they're looking at Redshift as a possible replacement for Octane and the feature uh, restrictions that Octane has. So that's Render Wars update. Um, 
I feel like I'm missing something though. Uh, no, I think that's it. I think that's all I had. Well, that's quite, that's I'm sure people will let me know if I. Render Wars. I I'll uh, I have one more piece of news unless there's uh, unless Chris you have some. Nope, I'm good. Um, I I had a new tutorial come out today. Oh well, of course. Yeah, there we go. Some, some so basics of sketching too. Yeah. So what? it's more it's more the things. It's the the idea behind it is it's it's pretty basic stuff. But if you're not familiar with sketching tune, it's kind of a list of all the things I wish I knew about sketching tune before I ever used it. So like why why does your scene look different when you're in the picture viewer than when you render and like why are the why is the material being applied everywhere why does it uh, and then a bunch of stuff about how the lines connect so nice uh, if you're if you're already super familiar then maybe not super useful but if you're thinking about getting into it and you're tired of all these uh, all these different render wars and just you know ditch it all and jump right into sketch and tune <laughs> forget all the photorealistic stuff and let's get let's get into some sketch and tune back back to the cartoons I like it. Um, yeah, that went out today, and then yesterday I recorded uh, some questions that um, a website called Layered Lemonade, they sent a bunch of questions that they said, hey, we would love to know this stuff. We will, we've always wanted to know this stuff about Grayscale Gorilla, some things about how it got started, how I started my career, and what they were going to do is translate it, and what they're still going to do is translate it into, I think it's Portuguese, um, and it, because it's a Brazilian website. So they were going to get my answers back and, and translate it. So I figured rather than just send it to them to get translated, I put it on YouTube as well in case anybody else has these questions. So um, it's kind of part of a series. I'm going to try to do more and more where I get these questions about how to get your career off the ground. Um, some of the, a lot of the things that we talk about here on the podcast and rather than me try to answer them one by one, um, which can only, you know, directly help that one person. I figured I'd rather turn on the camera and, you know, try to share it on our YouTube page. So uh, check that out as well. That came out yesterday. Uh, so yeah, YouTube staying busy. We're staying busy. NAB. Chris got a new tutorial. Big week already. We're not even in I Vegas know. yet. I know. Still have so much laundry to do. Yeah, <laughs> so much to do. Now we're getting into the real stuff. I know. Well, uh, we did have a couple of topics um, that we wanted to talk about and um nick i know you you said you had a question that might spark a topic did you want to uh, elaborate on that yeah i'm gonna uh, frantically go search for that question now because i lost it in a tab I'll kill somewhere. some time for you uh, here da, da, yeah. da, da, da. <laughs> here's, Actually, here's I, the idea oh, you uh, got chris it. go ahead man oh i was gonna say I, I was wondering nick you've got those panels behind you Mm -hmm. And uh, but you have them staggered in such a way, so you get this perfect red, white, and red. So I went and looked it up, and that's the Peruvian flag. Wait, you're saying this right here? Yeah, you got like the Peruvian flag behind you. There oh, you that's, go. That's that's cool. Panels. I uh, I'm actually I, I thought you might be interested in that. No, I dig that. I'm currently um, I'm currently trying to figure out what to do with this room because I've been doing more video stuff. I might kind of redecorate this back wall here to try to spice it up. If you guys notice the intro of all of the tutorials that I do are facing my computer and I got my speakers in the background and all that stuff. I think that's fun, but I'm trying to kind of mix things up a little bit. And I think a more plain wall or something might be pretty fun. So I'm, uh, hopefully 
there'll be a new background one of these I really days. like mm. I really like those people who get like a, a big elaborate shelving system with like just tons of knickknacks of all these things they love. Those are always super fun. I like those a lot. I might you know, I don't think there's room only because because uh, I love that idea by the way, but I don't think there's room because the door that I have is flush with that back wall. So if I open it, it would hit mm. any any kind of like shelving. That oh, you might need work. A corner shelf. Rotate everything forty five degrees. Oh, corner shelf. All right. Corner desk, corner shelf. Let me tell you, I'm getting the hue lights, and I'm I might even get some sort of shade that can drop, so I could turn off the daylight and get some real, you know, nice light without daylight messing it up. Um, man, we are we are uh, behind inside baseball today, which I really enjoy. You know, I you know I like that. Here it is. I found it, guys. Guys, question. Uh, we got a question here from uh, Samir. Hope I get your name right, buddy. Uh, says I want to start my own motion design studio. Uh, how so? How can I get clients? Um, so th this kind of sparked a little bit of a discussion right before we hit record you know, thinking about what to talk about. I think there's a lot of people that are branching out into freelance or they're working full time and figuring out if they want to go start their own studio. And even all the way back to somebody that might be graduating or, or ready to start their career and deciding whether they go, you know, into a full-time job, into a freelance situation or, or start their own studio. Maybe we could talk about some of the pros and cons about these di different decisions and also maybe a little bit about how you would make that decision as an artist. And I know Ch Chad, you have a lot of history, you know, hiring people and also, you know, in different positions in the industry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've gone through a little bit of this stuff here. So um, I thought we might all have a little bit to say about it. Anybody have initial thoughts about this? Well, the danger is if Chad goes first, we won't have anything to say because he's expert. He was, he was actively involved with that most recently. So why don't Chris, you, why don't you guys I'll, go and then I'll, um, Chad will correct I'll, us. I'll, I'll just wrap it up, I guess. <laughs> Chris, uh, uh, what, what's your, what's your approach to these kind of things? Well, to the specific question uh, that you read about how to, or how to get clients for a studio, even more specifically, I think that is the interesting part of the question. And, I actually have a specific follow-up, especially once Chad takes over. But my thought on this, because I run you know, the Chicago C40 user group and I get to see a lot of people doing things. I've gotten to see a lot of people transition into freelance. A lot of people go from freelance into full-time jobs and people starting their own studio. Some, some, very happy, some very happily and some people seemingly frustrated with it. But I would say that unless you have a really good reason to try and start a studio, just go and do freelance. Like, and, and you know, my follow-up question to Chad is going to be, what is the technical differences between somebody, like let's just say one person doing freelance and then turning into a studio as one person doing work as a studio? But I'm going to keep going, but that's that's where I'm leading here. But my thought is it just if you're leaving a company or you're going freelance, let's say you're even at a company and you've got some free time on the weekends and whatnot, start taking on freelance, go to different meetups, start shaking hands. Even if you don't know anybody, even if you're leaving school, start going to meetups, shake hands, show people your portfolio, like hand out business cards, like get involved in all these different things. And there's lots of freelance you can find online just by being involved in different you know forums and groups and job postings. So you can just start collecting more work and more work and more work. So you can dive in head first, but if you have a lot of 
you know, if you have a lot of relationships, you can probably do that. You can dive in head first and get a bunch of work and just be working freelance all the time. And kind of generically, my thought would be is you just, everything about freelance just seems more simple. And you just keep doing that and that and that until you have so much work that you're like, I need somebody else to be working on this with me full time. If there's going to be two freelancers, why don't we become a studio? And then we can kind of brand under that instead of seeming like two separate freelancers. So that's kind of my thoughts generically. Like, don't don't make a studio. There's so much paperwork involved in like building like some sort of corporation, like even like an LCC or something, uh, or LLC, whatever it's called, Limited Liability Corporation. Um, the uh, like, why would why go through that headache when you can just go and start getting work and doing work and you know getting relationship with these clients? But uh, that, that's 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 where I start out here. Well, yeah, I, it's complicated, right? <clears throat> Chad, I think it's complicated. You know, I, I think that uh, the question was, what was it again? How do I, how do I start a studio? Uh, originally, yeah, originally the question was, you know, how do I start a studio? I, I just asked them to simplify the question because we don't know the, the big, the big thing to understand is it's hard to give exact advice without knowing so much about what somebody wants. Right. And maybe this is me taking this step back all the time, but unless we know what his goals are, what his like, uh, like end goal is, what his monetary monetary like needs are, what his time restrictions are, like how much so risk he can take right now. Yeah, how much yeah. risk you like? Like if you have all, a family. Yeah. Right. There's so many more questions you need to ask that we don't have, you know, him on, on a phone call to ask. But th these are all some of the bigger questions you have to start asking when you decide if you're going to start your own company. So, I, I mean, I think the default answer would be, you know, it should be screaming out to you to start a company. And like Chris said, and not um, necessarily go start one from scratch, especially if you're new to something uh, like this. Um, but yeah, Chad, you said it's getting complicated already. But if you're new, like I just... It, First of all, you shouldn't, nobody should start a studio unless, nobody should start a studio, okay? I'm just going to say that as a uh, kind of a sensationalist top, you know, headline right That's there. That's the headline. It should be, People it should happen, already. it should happen organically, meaning that you should spend enough time in the industry and get enough clients and get enough contacts to where a studio makes the most sense for you because uh, you just can't handle the work yourself. You're getting, or you're frustrated at your studio job and you want to break out. You've got your own clients that would follow you. Um, you want to be your own boss. Uh, you have a partner that you work with that you want to start a place with. It should happen organically. Nobody sets out, at least nobody that I know that has been successful, woke up and said, hey, I'm starting a studio today. It just, it doesn't happen like that. It, especially because a studio, a motion design studio in today's, uh, economy does not make money. They're not big money makers. So you're not going to have a good, you're not going to have an easy time finding investors or finding people to give you a dump truck full of money to like start a studio and buy computers and get a space and all that sort of thing. So it, ha it, it you see studios happening much more organically. Now you have people that there's staff at a place for a while, then they realize that maybe they kind of have gone as far as they can at that studio and they decide to go freelance. And then when they go freelance for a number of years, they start to, and let me just clarify freelance in two categories. There's freelance, the person who is 
booked by a studio and either shows up at that studio and does work for them or works from home for that studio. And then there's freelance independent artist who takes on jobs directly with a client, meaning some client calls them and says, hey, we're doing, okay, cool. Technically, you're a contracted, you know, company really but you're acting you're like a studio at that point. you're almost a studio at that point anyway but the biggest difference is you don't have overhead you don't have employees you your taxes are totally different so there's that's the kind of difference you have to kind of see where you want to be and most people um that end up as independent contractor freelance types they have spent a good number of years either working at a studio or working freelance and getting all that experience and contacts and understanding what it takes. And then they go off and start doing side projects like Chris was saying for people on the weekends and that starts to take over their day-to-day -day life. So again, it happens organically. It doesn't just happen overnight, just doesn't happen with a loan. It, it just needs to happen that way because you're not gonna be successful um, if you're, uh, if you don't, have the patience and and the stick-to-itiveness to put in the time and the effort to make make yourself a, a successful artist whether you're staff freelance or independent contractor studio whatever it takes time to to get good and become build up a reputation now um a close friend of mine uh just talked to me this morning about his challenges he he went from a studio position for a number of years to freelance to starting his own actual studio. Now his studio is out of his house. He doesn't have any employees uh, unless he has a big job. He hires people and they help him out and whatnot. But the challenges that you find in that situation are you are the main, you, if you do that, you are the person doing the work. You are the person getting the work. You are person selling the work and you are the person who has to pay taxes and, and run the business and do all the stuff nobody wants to do. So these are, just know that going into it. Oh, I you know when I was starting out in the business, I was like, someday I'm gonna own my own studio. And then slowly but surely, I, I got to see behind the curtain a little bit more and a little bit more at every place that I went. And uh, I just kind of realized that like, wow, this is kind of a crappy business to be. <laughs> I don't want a studio. I don't want a studio. Like I just want to make stuff and like not worry about payroll and bills and taxes and insurance, um, because that's the kind of grown-up stuff you're going to have to deal with if you get a studio. Well, I I'll uh, take it from this angle. So I agree with both of you guys. A studio should definitely be like a have to. Like it, it's like a no-brainer at, at the, by the point you get by, by the time you get there, right? Um, so I'll 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 share my little um, entry into the work workforce. I graduated, was digging After Effects, playing around a little bit in cinema and all this stuff. And my goal at that point was to uh, be a freelancer. I'm like, I'm not gonna go work at a place and do whatever they want. I'm gonna go freelance and go try to work with MTV and all these cool clients I had in mind. And within a few months, I kind of had a similar situation where I'm like, I, first of all, don't know anything about this industry, like the business side of all this stuff, like what a hold was and what do I do if um, somebody calls with like a cooler opportunity, but I'm on hold <laughs> somewhere else. Like, do I, uh, that just means I can't go work on it. Is that 
really true? Like, and so then I'm on the phone with people and I had no clue about the language. I had no clue about rates. I had no clue about, you know, uh, what net 30 was like. I had no, uh, idea because when I was in school, I didn't study any of that stuff. I learned after effects. I learned, tried to learn design. I tried to learn typography. So my, my feeling when I got out of school, at least was I dabbled in freelance long enough to know that what I really wanted to do was sit behind the computer and make stuff like you said, Chad. So where can I go do that? Well, full-time, full-time they'll walk in your office and go, this is what we're making today. It's like the most simple way. Now, what you don't get to do is choose. You don't get to choose what you work on, but you do get a steady stream of work that you could, you know, put your, put your thumbprint on somehow. Um, so I would think of it in that way of like, what do you want to do all day? Do you want to work all like work in the put, move your mouse all day? Then that is in a full time. Do you want to start to you know, learn about clients and learn about how to talk to clients, learn how to do bids, learn how to bill people, like all those things. If you're interested in the business side of it, you may want to start to go freelance mm -hmm. um, because then you got, you have, here's the pros. You get to choose what you work on in, in more, not sometimes, not all the time, but you have more choice. You also in some, sometimes have more freedom to work with the client directly to know what they want rather than go through the hierarchy at a, at a big full-time place. Um, and then like, like Chad said, only then will you be freelancing and say, wow, I am getting more work in than I could even do. What if I hired somebody that could help me do it? And now you're in a position to more talk more to clients and find more work and, you know, be the creative director and now you have employees that could get their hands dirty and and get their mouse moving and if that is interesting to you that should be the only time i would argue that you want to start your own company is if you want to eventually not be on the screen and start to be that part like start to be the person that goes and finds work and shakes hands and makes deals if that is the interesting side of the business to you then you might want to look into that well i think there's also less studio positions available now than there was five years ago i think lots of studios now are almost kind of preferring uh the freelance model um i here's there's a running joke like if any of the agencies or clients knew that all the studios in the u.s most of them pull from the same freelance talent pool that it's just kind of a joke. Like almost every motion design shop has like CDs and art directors and then all the people that are doing the work and sometimes more often than not pitching the work are freelance and they're all bouncing around from shop to shop. So they, it's just so ridiculous to me when, you know, you think about an ad agency hiring a motion design shop and they're literally looking at boards that were by the same person that maybe pitched a job a week earlier for a completely different motion design shop. And it's just this incestuous thing that um, after a while you, you're like, wow, like there is no, I think a few shops have like ownable uh, talent that, that you know that that's what they do, like that's their look, that's what they're known for. But I've been a part of so many pitches where freelancers are often the ones that win win the uh, the job 
for the motion design shop that you're just like, wow, this is so crazy. Like if the agency knew that this person, number one, didn't even work for the studio, number two, worked for everybody else all the other days of the week, what would they say? Like, would they care? I don't even know if they would care, I guess, but it's just kind of this weird thing. But um, yeah, that was a little off topic, but um, yeah, I, I think that the the idea of being freelance, you just have to be, you have to know that you're gonna have to hustle and you're gonna have to be the, the person who uh, doesn't burn bridges and shows up on time and all the things that go along with being a successful freelancer and understanding what a hold is and all these things that, yeah, I mean, the best way to learn that stuff is to go to a meetup and talk to a freelancer and just be like, yeah, so how does this work in this town? Like who, what producers should I talk to? And that's the thing too. A lot, a lot of people that come out of school, they, they, they don't know where to start. And I'll just let you in on something. If you don't already know this producers are who hire you as a free, as a freelancer. So get to know the studio producers, the, the assistant producers, associate producers, get to know them and become uh, friendly with them because they're the ones who's, you know, when the, when the job hits their desk, they're the one who's going to have to be like, how am I going to get this done on this timeline? <laughs> well, let's, um, I, I kind of want to make sure we tackle two different things. One, I think Chris had a question. I want to make sure gets answered or like a topic to kind of start up. And uh, the other one is, you know, let's say people understand what they're trying to do and they do want to build a business. So maybe at the end we could talk about how, how to attract clients if that is the goal, how to get more work. So, but Chris, let's start with your. Um, yeah. My, my specific question was, and I mean this in the very, like, what are the literal things like if you are like a independent, if you're a freelancer getting direct client work, what is the difference between that freelancer and starting up like the most basic studio you can, where you're like a legal entity at that point? Like, and what, like, I don't even know if any of us know the answer to this, but like, it just seems like if you're a freelancer, okay, you go and you do all this work, you, you collect all that information and you at tax time, you got to maybe figure out, figure out some extra paperwork. Well, are, are you saying that this person in the two scenarios that you kind of described is the freelancer getting paid a day rate or are they getting a project rate? Like they're getting a project fee the way that, you know, a studio might. Is there even much of a difference between the it's two? A huge difference. Huge difference. So you, you got somebody that might hire you and say, hey, Chris, can you um, make this animation for us um, for, I don't know, let's just. I'll make something up. Um, a keyboard. <laughs> how how crazy creative is that? Yeah, how, did down. how did I come up with that? Um, creative so, genius, Chad. I know that's what. That's why you pay me the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the uh, yeah. So let's say Chris, we want you to make a keyboard animation, and you're like, okay, cool. And I say, I work for Cherry, and I'm going to hire Chris to make this keyboard. Chris, what's your day rate? And Chris says, well, my day rate is $600. And they're saying, great. So why don't you start working on the project and uh, we'll, get, we'll get, you, get you going and we'll, we'll make this awesome. And you're like, awesome. And you're working from home and you're making your cherry keyboard animation. And by the end of it, maybe you worked three weeks. So let's just say- It's a heck of a keyboard. Say three, a three week animation, uh, which is a typical product, project timeline. 
Um, so you did everything on it. You're you're the one man band on this job. So you charge. What did I say your rate was? Six hundred a day. Six hundred a day times fifteen days. What's the math on that? Somebody, uh, what is it? So six hundred times is nine thousand. So you made nine thousand dollars, and after taxes, you're probably closer to seven. Okay, so you made seven thousand dollars. Now that same project, had it gone to a studio probably would have cost anywhere between let's just say it's like a I would say it's like between a 40 and a hundred thousand dollar project uh, depending on the complexity of it so of course for the company it makes more sense to hire you as a freelancer because they're getting a hundred thousand dollars worth of work for nine grand and uh, at the end of the day they're uh, well it depends on how they work but employment taxes and all that is is something for a completely different podcast, but um, yeah, so it it makes you're they're winning with that with that scenario, and you're losing because you're doing the same amount of work as any studio would do. Only you're not getting paid the same. In fact, you're not even getting paid to cover your expenses because that rate is something that I would expect to see if I was bringing you in to work on my computers in my space with my electric bills. Uh, if you're doing it at home and you're getting paid uh, that rate then you're really getting screwed because you have to take into account the cost of your machine, the software, all that costs money. And um, yeah, so that's, does that answer your question? I kind of feel like I... Uh, well, I mean, that was a kind of a sub-question, but, uh, and then that is interesting as far as like the different approaches, but let's say you are that freelancer. I, I'm more talking about like from a paperwork point of view, from like a legal oh, entity okay. point of view. Like as a freelancer, like even as a freelancer, like you're, you're saying that the company could be like, okay, we're charging you for the project and we're charging you whatever, you know, 10,000, $100,000, whatever it is. Like the freelancer could also potentially contract that out in the same way, like as if they were a studio, but it's just a one man deal. And it, you know, they're a freelancer. Like you can just be like, oh, it, this is a $25,000 project and I'm going to work on it and that, and you're going to get it in the end. Or you could do a day rate. And if you're working directly with a, with a client, like often they do want like, hey, what is the budget of this project? Mm -hmm. So like that's a potential way for a freelancer to go. But like now, now let's talk about the like the paperwork side of it, like the legal entity. Like it sounds like a nightmare to become a studio as a legal entity and just be a freelancer. And you're like, hey, here's this you know, like generic contract form I pulled off the internet. Like sign this. Here's the amount we've agreed to. One revision and go. Like well, uh, I'll um. This this is definitely like a little outside of stuff that I I know about directly how freelancers handle this, but in the general kind of like business world, I guess as I understand it, if Chris if if you wanted Chris to hire somebody to help you do that animation, that's where things start to get a little tricky, right? So that's where as a freelancer, if you reached out and said, hey, this job's a little too big for me. Let's both get in on it together and we'll charge 25 grand and we'll both do this keyboard animation. That's where you really can't do too many of those without having to become a company. So that's when it, that's kind of to get back to Chad's thing is like, that's when it becomes a no brainer to say, wow, okay, now I, this isn't just, you know, this person paying Chris. It's Chris paying another freelancer to come help. And then it's also you paying for lunch because now you guys are working at your house and all these things start to come into play. And now legally you have to start looking at that. This is a business and not, a, not just a sole 
proprietor kind of situation. Um, so that, that's how I understand it. And I'm sure there's differences and maybe things have changed over years, but it really comes down to the legals, as far as I understand, the legal ability for you to run that kind of business out of your house without becoming a business. No, that makes sense. I think there's, yeah, that's a good point. And then also there's the the whole tax implication um, part of it as well. And how once you get that lump sum from this company, are, what do you, what, what's, are you going to pay, uh, you know, 30% of that down or, you know, you kind of have to make this decision where you're like, well, how do, and, and I don't even have the answer because I'm not a business person, but I recommend anybody that is kind of looking to, to do these types of larger projects, bringing in help, all this sort of thing to talk to some, talk to someone, uh, an accountant or somebody to, to set that up so that, um, you're not kind of, you're, you're aware of what the tax implications are when you take on a $50,000 job, uncle Sam wants his cut and you have to do everything in your power to make sure that, well, he gets the fair cut, but you have to make sure that your business is protected and uh, that at the end of the tax year, you don't owe a ton of money because you needed, you needed that capital right now to pay for upgrades, to pay for a freelancer, to pay your buddy that helped you. And the money is spent before it's even been sent to you. Mm-hmm. And then you've got nothing left to pay Uncle Sam. And it's, it's a huge, it's just, it's complicated and you have to be ready for that. And that's just not something anybody just jumps into. It's something that just takes time and happens slowly um, yeah. I guess I'm, what I'm saying is I'm really interested in that gray area in the, not quite a freelancer, but not quite a studio. Like where, what does that transition look like? And it does sound like, okay, like if you're a freelancer and you're taking on jobs bigger than you can handle then you're starting to behave more like a studio and <laughs> I, you know, I what's the risk coming to like having, I would refer to if you have to have, I did it again, Chris, sorry, buddy. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry, I lost the train of thought now. I forced myself in there. Uh, what I was going to say was uh, I would refer anybody that has those kind of questions to somebody that is doing it like it, th- like somebody that's doing it right now because I think yeah, those if, are legal if we questions. Were, yeah, <laughs> if we were to guess, we're going to give bad uh, advice. And also, I think this stuff changes depending on state rules. Um, you know, there's a lot of different rules on hiring people and when you have to hire people. So for example, if you tell somebody when they have to work and where they have to work, then they can't be a freelancer. So you have to start to, if you do that more than a certain amount of days per month, then you can't continue to call that person a freelancer. You have to hire them in. And now this is in Illinois. I don't know if different States do it differently, but I can't say, hey, freelancer, I'll just pay you your day rate. Come on in and, you know, hang and out. You have like to be your, here when I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be here when I'm here. And also you have to work on this specific project and you're going to have to do it for five days a week for the whole month. Well, what, what the uh, state or I, I'm not sure if it's state level or not, but what uh, certain organizations will say is no, 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 no. You are hiring somebody, which means you have to pay their payroll tax and you have to, it's basically a tax issue. You have to bring they them in as money. a want their money. So bring them in as a taxable employee so that they get their taxes every, every month. So there's, I think those are the things that you really have to look into. If, if your goal is to start a studio, like you are becoming a business person, not an artist, 
right? You like you you are going to end up being more of a business person if than, you're going to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. ultimately, artists don't necessarily think about those things, and they get into a situation. They're like, "Well, I'm doing great work, and I'm successful, and I, I'm I'm a good artist. I should have a studio." And it's like, mm, if you had a partner that maybe was business savvy, and and the two of you uh, complemented each other, great. But if you're going to try to win the work, like I said, and run the business, good luck, because that's it's hard to grow when when you're. Really when you're the bottleneck, it's yeah. hard to grow. I wonder if there's like an allure, an allure, an allure. I can't say the word. An allure of, of yeah, of of like the prestige of a studio. Oh, that's like, like that's I think it's, part of it. it's like oh, I'm doing all this amazing work, and then maybe you know, maybe you let get me, your name. Let me shatter those dreams real quick. Yeah. Well, no, but it's like, oh, I want to, you know, I've got my name in the credits for here, but I want that to be a company. I want to be like, I want to be like one of those names up on the screen that's like a title of a company. And that, that seems like, I don't know, it's a dangerous motivation to have, like, because of the cost you're paying to, to get into that category. Like, if you want to be doing the work, then you shouldn't be worrying that about that part of the name. Yeah, it's if you're doing it for vanity reasons, it's like buying a boat for vanity reasons. Like you know how much work you're gonna have to do. <laughs> you better no, love boats. Yeah, you better love you know waxing, or have way more money than you can than handle. Right. So, it, it's definitely um, yeah. I I know what you mean though, Chris. There are a lot of people I think that have that feeling of oh well, I love MK12 or I love Psyop and I love these companies. I want to put my stamp on the world the same way that these big companies that inspired me, I want to build something big and inspire the next group. I think there's a lot of people that do get into it, not necessarily for vanity, but to be a, to, to be a big part of the, the, uh, the space. Right. And I think everything still applies is, is that that alone is not a good reason to start. Um, having so much dang work that you, that you, have to start hiring people is a great reason to look into starting a company and understanding that you or one of your partners will be a business person and not an artist. I think that's maybe um, a bigger point to this. You know what? I I just I'll say it out loud. I'm gonna say it live because uh -oh, I think we I think we I think I'm gonna reach out um, to uh, Chris Doe. I think I have rumors. Rumors. He's gonna be at NAB. And I'm going to corner him and say, hey, you know this side of business stuff. Because he talks really well about this. And he's um, really out, uh, like outspoken about making sure people get into business for the right reasons and why um, and, and, and how to start to do it. So I think we should get him on the podcast. So see, this is my live way of, of kind of like suckering him into doing it, basically. So... Um, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to talk to him at NEB and see if we can get somebody on here that understands a little bit more about this stuff so that you know so that we don't give the wrong answers either. Right. Yeah. No, I'd I'd love to have him on the show. He's he, I like I pretty much agree with almost everything he says. So I, I think it'd be interesting to uh, uh, ask him some questions. Well, that doesn't make that doesn't make for a good conversation. You need people you disagree with. You need Whatever, conflict. Dude. You can't. Nope. You can't learn if you're agreeing with everyone. Whatever, man. Don't 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 judge me. Writing it down. <laughs> oh, by the way, let's talk about show notes. If you guys want to uh, not go uh, type anything into Google, because let's face it, that takes too long. 
you want to you you just want to click on it head to if you're watching on uh youtube just look in the description we're going to put links in, including uh some stuff to to chris uh chris doe by the way can't type and talk at the same time uh we're going to put links to that as well as the blog post uh for nab as well as chris's tutorial all the stuff we talk about in every episode we'll try to link it up down below so um i want to put that in the middle of the podcast here in case you guys want to we're only in the middle of this thing <laughs> i have no idea how long i feel like going. we're oh, towards no. the end aren't we oh, we are we are okay i'm sorry i'm sorry see that's uh the that's i gotta take my shirt off i'm hot do it man this is this is about to it's about to go up. Got my Turn GSD, up the heat. My GSD red. Yeah, man, we got to bring our um, we got to bring our t-shirts to NAB. Represent. Will it be weird if we all have the same t-shirts on? I don't know. I kind of have a booth thing going on, It'd so be easy to spot you. Could be a company, weird. company logo thing. Oh, I got my hoodie too. Did you guys get the Grayscale Gorilla hoodie? No, nope. I did not. Oh, it's so comfy. It's like one of those. You have it at the office there? No, it, this office is so hot all the time. I wouldn't use it, but it's like <laughs> it's one of those like inch thick hoodies, you know? And oh you, yeah. Oh, it's like this thick in the closet. It's so good. Um, well, that uh, we didn't wrap that up very well, did we? I kind of took it off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just keep thinking. You know, I've been I've been listening a lot more to what Chris has, has been saying about this stuff. Christo. Christo, thank you. And uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out and see see um see if we could suck him into coming on here and saying yo business let's go hook us up. I, I'm business. I mean, because I, mean, I have fascinated. I'm fascinated by like those gray areas, like those transitions, and when does one thing become another? Even like those like those legalities of like, isn't there a thing like if you're paying for a desk for someone, then like they're an employee? Yeah, exactly. Those are the things I didn't even understand until I started you know, building Grayscale Gorilla, right? So I, I have a lot of, you know, things I know about business through a software company and, a, and an education company, but I, you know, I don't want to give out bad information for somebody starting a freelance, like, or a motion graphics studio. I don't know how much of it applies or how much difference it is, but I definitely ran into those things as, you know, Chris and I started working together and then Chad and, and Chris's brothers and, Everybody, every person that came in was a new learning experience about, okay, how many hours and where do they work and what does that mean for paying them? And it was just an, a whole part of the, of owning a business. I didn't even think I needed to, needed to learn. Yeah. And, and it starts getting to dental and health insurance and 401k. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, this isn't what I, I just wanted the name of the studio in the titles. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just wanted cool business cards with my logo on it. And now you're like, wow, I got to pick out a health plan. So it, it, you know, I would approach any of these things with, not with caution. I, I definitely want people to, that are looking at starting a studio and, and going down that road to, you know, understand what the consequences are. But then, you know, when you're in, jump on it, work hard. So maybe we could leave with maybe one tip to get clients. Those people out there, they're like, listen, you guys talk bad about it the whole time. What if we're ready to go? We have a studio. And we're looking to, you know, gather more clients, get more work. Any any tips for them, and then we can close out. Chad, tips, tips for getting new clients? Yeah, I would say like, you know, they have a studio, they have one or two people, you know, maybe they're oh, even so small studio. Yeah, small studio out there that's listening to the podcast, and they're like, how to find more of these clients? I want I the client. The 
I think you have to, it's not that much different than anything else. You have to get involved with the local scene. Um, join organizations that uh, you think are going to attract people that you want to get work from. If, if, if you're a small studio and you're going after agency work, then go to agency events, meet agency people, uh, go take uh, agency producers to lunch, figure out who they are, find somebody, find a rep, find a sales rep that um, whose whole job it is, is to drum up work and take a percentage take them out to lunch, figure out who they, who you should be talking to. You may not be ready for a full-time sales rep, but if they're commission-based, maybe they'll take you on and, uh, and start feeding you potential pitches that you can try to win. Um, the other thing that you can do is make sure, make sure you're marketing to the right audience. I think a lot of younger studios, um, make this mistake. They start to market themselves to their peers instead of their potential customers. So you'll see artists that's, that start a studio and they're concerned about, you know, posting uh, or uh, to people like us and, and getting our attention when we're not the people that are going to give them the work. It's the agencies that are going to do that. So figure out ways to speak to that audience. Um, if you want to go, it's a lot harder actually to go at a, uh, from a studio perspective to, it's hard to get direct to client work. Now what I call, now direct to client work is like, I'm being hired directly by uh, road mics or you know whatever, and they're hiring my studio to create something for them. And then there's um, direct to agency, which means that you're working with advertising agencies. They're hiring you to do a project. So depending on which way you're going, direct to clients a lot harder to make those contacts because you know they're not they're not centralized in 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 a location or even in a field that you can go to events for. You have to kind of meet those people organically, word of mouth, that sort of thing. Um, but meeting producers, meeting uh, creative directors, art directors, ad agencies, going to events, um, talking to other studios, getting involved. Um, these are all things that are going to helpfully get you work. But ultimately, the best thing you can do to get work is to have good work on your reel, on your site, on whatever. The best way to get work is to show the work that you're capable of. And uh, if you can impress the right people, then it starts to become a domino effect where all it takes is a few people to give you a chance. And if you knock it out of the park for them, they'll spread that word. And hopefully if you're nurturing these relationships, the jobs will come. I like that one. Chris, any uh, any tips? Any stuff that you've seen successful at the meetups? Uh, honestly, like it, it's all it's all the same stuff. It, it's the more hands you shake, you know, and it's everything. I mean, like you, if you're active on Twitter, get active on the, the public Slack channels, get active on, uh, you know, just shaking hands, going to meetups, like telling, you know, and never be obnoxious. Like you gotta be, but if you go out there and you get a reputation, like there's a, you know, I get I get asked about doing a lot of freelance work, and I have people I know in the industry in Chicago that I'm just constantly handing jobs off to. I've handed like pretty large projects off to other people who were there like, okay, this is like a quarter of my work for the year now. It's just like, I don't have time to go and tackle those things. So like when you shake hands of different people, depending on where they're at in their career, like any freelancer might be too busy to handle everything. So if you become one of their go-to people, 
they'll start passing stuff off to you and then you pass stuff back to them. Um, it's a relationship business. And yeah. it, if you go into it knowing that, like you have to be good at relationships with people and you have to be good at your job. And if you can do both of those things at the same time and you're good at them, I think you'll be successful. But it, it really, you're right, Chris, it, it's about shaking hands and then having uh, the work and the follow through to keep that reputation strong. Yeah, none of this stuff means anything if you don't have a good portfolio, if you don't have a good pile of work. Right. It's all, it's always assuming that your work, you could get the job done, you could do good work, you could deliver on your promises. That These are all givens in the discussion we have today. I think you guys both wrapped it up really well. Get out there, start shaking hands. Um, and and I'll say I'll say this, or I'll add this. It is always about a person. This this industry is all about other people that know who you are and can either, like Chris said, recommend you to a client or hire you directly. So, you know, I say this to a lot of, you know, business owners that I meet in in general. And let me, let me, let me really be clear. Everyone is a business owner, right? Just because you don't have the piece of paper, just because you don't, didn't go register with the state, doesn't mean you shouldn't think about yourself as a business, you need to go find your, uh, just like any business, you need to have a good product. That's you and what you could provide to the, to the marketplace. You have to go find the people to buy your product. And that's basically advertising. How do you get the word out that you can do what you say you can do? And you have to do both things. You have to have a great product, get the word out. So start thinking of yourself as a business, no matter where you are in this hierarchy and you might be really good at the one part of it, which is the making of it, but you might not be as good at the other side, which you really need, which is the meeting people that could pay you to do what you do. So it may be time, you know, if you, if that resonates with you to step out, go shake a hand, go, go meet some people. I think, I think we did it. I guys. think, I think is that, that's it. That's a, that's a good way to wrap it up. You want to, you want to take us out or should I? Chad, you got the big red button over there, man, and the, and the right. big red T-shirt. I think you're looking good. <laughs> Your lighting's right. way better than mine today, too. So I think you should. I think you should rock it. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, as always, if you like what you're hearing on iTunes, give us a review. Tell us what you think. We love to hear from you. Ask us a question. Give us a an idea of of another possible topic. If you're watching us on YouTube, give us a like if you're liking what you're hearing or seeing, hopefully both. Um, and as always, we've got show notes for everything that we discussed. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you at NAB next week Bam. on Instagram and C4D Live. So uh, we'll see you then, everybody. Have a great week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.